Hey, I'm Steve Follin. Thanks for downloading This Time What It's Like Being Freelance for user experience consultant Paul Boag. For me, work should facilitate my life. It's not my life in itself. It should facilitate the life I want to lead. I'm very careful not to overcommit. I don't turn away work, but I will tell them when I can do it and they can take it or leave it. I just made a decision that, look, this is not worth it. You know, I'm not going to live like this anymore. I'm not going to work weekends. I'm not going to work evenings. And let's see what happens. And the truth is, you just work smarter. Hey, how you doing? Hope you're good. Uh, We've got a great guest coming up in a moment, Paul Boag. Uh, Just to remind you, beingfreelance.com is the website, at beingfreelance on Twitter. Please do uh, get involved if you enjoy the podcast, listen to some of the others, recommend it to other freelancers, review it on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever. Uh, We've got well over 20 guests now for you. Well, I say well over 20. (laughs) This will be the 21st. That was was an exaggeration. We've got over 20 guests for you now now to uh, to listen to so if you've only just found us then uh, do go back and look and remember whatever job they do there is value in them sharing their experiences it's it's not field specific this is about being freelance and there's some really great stuff in there uh, thanks so much for all your comments i always do appreciate it but let's crack on and go to dorset in the uk this week and to user experience consultant paul boag hey paul hello how are you yeah i'm good i'm good thanks for doing this um i mean you're something of the master of podcasts after after all as we'll uh We'll come to talk about it, no doubt well, later on. I, I'm, I, I'm not sure that's actually true. Just because you've been doing something for a very long time doesn't necessarily mean you're any good at it. <laughs> Ten years is impressive, though. You see, you say that, but again, that's like, you know, saying to an old lady, congratulations on not dying yet. <laughs> Let's come back to that in a moment. Let's start by, well, finding out how you got started being freelance really because um, you've been working for some time you've owned a business as well so how have you got where you are okay so so the short version is at university I got a year's placement IBM um, and this was around the time when um, they were doing their first multimedia PC right so the first one with the sound card and CD-ROM drive so I now immediately sound old (laughs) and towards the end of that this thing called the web came along and nobody wanted to touch it with a barge pole because it was boring gray background centered text you know um so they gave it to the student so i ended up doing it that way um after i graduated i went back and spent another three years with ibm and then uh, when i finally got fed up of of kind of big scary corporate culture um i moved and joined a internet startup Back in the dot-com days, uh, where I spent about another three years there, um, I went through the whole kind of boom and bust from from being told I'd be a millionaire to laying off all my staff. Um, and then following that, three of us from the, the dot-com set up a, an agency called Headscape back in 2002. And that then kind of grew organically from the three of us up to at its height about 20 and then we reduced the head count a little bit and then at the I began to kind of find it hard work um, and began to you know spend more and more time dealing with people and worrying about bringing in work and feeding all these members of staff and I was getting a bit burnt out 
Um, and so towards the end of last year, I kind of, I, I drew a la- line in the sand in my head and said, look, if, if certain things don't happen, um, I'm going to branch out and just go by myself. Um, and those things didn't happen. So I've stepped down from kind of day-to-day operations at Headscape. They're carrying on without me, which is lovely. And I'm still a director there and I still do projects with them. But now I only have myself to feed, well, my, and my family. Um, so life is much simpler now. Wow. Okay. So I didn't realise you'd only gone freelance, as it were, so mm-hmm. last year, because you've obviously been building up to the potential of that for some time, because you've you've built yourself quite an online brand. Mm-hmm. You do, obviously, the podcast that we mentioned, speaking engagements and, and so on and so forth. So when did all of that start to develop? And, and was it a conscious decision? Did you have an end game, or was it just something you um- wandered into? Well, kind of a little bit of both, really. So, so yeah, I mean, that, that was how Headscape brought in work, was through me um, and my reputation. So um, it's something that we'd invested in. It, 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 it kind of started with the podcast. It bu- built some traction. And it was People were beginning to take interest in it. I was blogging a little bit as well. And, and so there was a, a kind of, I had a little bit of a following. And then that kind of all happened a bit by accident, you know, just because really I like to fiddle with new things and all podcasting was a new thing. So I had to have a go at it. Um, so that was all by accident, but we, we kind of reached a point where we thought we need to be a bit more grown up in our marketing and our marketing efforts. So a friend of a friend knew somebody who was, you know, kind of a marketing expert and we, we got her in. Um, and she talked to us for a while and basically she said, you should use Paul as a figurehead for the company. So we began to free up a bit of my time to do, you know, more blogging and and, um, podcasting. And then I got invited to speak and it got to the point where I was mainly doing that kind of stuff, uh, which was, which is great. I I really enjoy it. So about, it's kind of about 50% of my time is doing, you know, kind of writing and speaking and podcasting and that kind of stuff. And 50% is consultancy and working with clients. Interesting. So it actually grew from the company. So it didn't. Yeah, that's uh, quite nice. So so you don't have to feel like, you know, it, there's this element of feeling a bit big headed, isn't it? Oh, look at me. Whereas actually the company were happy for you to do that. The company yeah. were encouraging you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, 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 being big headed is not a problem that I, I'm <laughs> fine with being. I am I am wonderful and great and, and by far more talented than everybody else I know. So, you know, I'm kind of fine with that, really. Uh, so when did you develop it more as yourself? Because if, <laughs> if we go to your website now, uh, so if we go to boagworld.com, I mean, yeah. it, I mean, that's it speaks volumes in itself, boagworld.com. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, and that in itself is so embarrassing. Sorry to not let you finish your question, but <laughs> see, you can tell I'm, I may be a good podcaster, not so good as a guest. I tend to interrupt and go off on my own little rants. So, and that was really embarrassing. I set up boagworld.com as my personal blog, right? My primary aim of having that website was a place where I could really write down the things that I'd learnt. Okay, that was my aim. And then, <laughs> and, and the reason it was called Boag World was because in the previous dot-com company, it become a bit of a standing joke that I, I lived in my own little world, right? <laughs> so that's where Boag World came from. So I, I didn't even think about 
the long-term consequences of going with the domain name boagworld.com. And, you know, and, and so we ended up with this kind of ridiculous scenario that, that it was Headscape was the agency and there was me with Boag World. And the two just had no, you know, we kind of just tried to keep working how to bring the two together and getting them working side by side. And it was just a bloody nightmare. And it's just really embarrassing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Check out my podcast. It's, it's named after me. Yeah. But then Boag World, the website, um, if we look at the top of it, also has Boag Works. Yeah. So how have you found that transition into becoming your, you know, your own, your own person, becoming a consultant, freelance consultant? I've loved it. I've absolutely and utterly loved it. Um, don't get me wrong. I absolutely loved my time at Headscape. And I have got nothing but love and affection for the guys that I worked with at Headscape. They're, they're really top blokes. Um, and I would miss them deeply if it wasn't for the fact that we work together on a lot of projects and I do the podcast weekly with Marcus and that kind of stuff. But I've no longer got responsibility for bringing in work for 13 14 whatever number of people and there's no guilt factor anymore you know it always used to be that you know if I slacked off because I was having a bad day you know I was thinking oh everybody else is working and I'm sitting here doing nothing and now now I've only got myself to blame um I'm also enjoying following things entirely through from from the kind of marketing through to the lead coming in to the proposal writing all the way through to the invoicing, which is great. And I get to keep all the money to, for myself, which is a bonus too. <laughs> so uh, it, it ideally suits me. I mean, I think the other thing to say with all of this as well is that we made a decision as a family about two years ago to start homeschooling our son which was a huge decision we we made because but it, it, he's on the Asperger's spectrum and, and you know and and wasn't getting on very well with mainstream school so we so we decided to homeschool him my wife was a a teaching assistant anyway it was the logical thing to do and then we kind of got to this point you know we'd settled in on that everything was going well we got to this point of this sudden realization of hang on a minute we can go anywhere and do anything at any time because James can learn from anywhere right and then it was, ah, yeah, but I've got commitments with work. Well, now I've kind of gone freelance, you know, it, it just gives us so much freedom. I mean, I was working with a client, the University of St. Andrews up in, in Scotland, and we own a motorhome. So we took the motorhome up there for a month. I worked with the client and they got, you know, they got me on site for a month while we kind of explored the, you know, the area up there. And then, and then, you know, in a, in a few weeks time, um, I've got a client in California. So the whole family are going to go over to California. Cool. Jay, you know, and at all the time they, we can kind of educate James. For example, when we went up to Scotland, he, you know, he went to Hadrian's Wall and learned about the Romans and all that kind of stuff as we went up. And then learned about the Celts and, and St. Andrews itself and all the history that's associated with that. When we go over to California, he'll learn about Disney. I don't know. <laughs> we haven't worked that bit out yet. He'll learn about the physics behind roller coaster rides. There you go. But that sounds awesome. So you've really managed to find something that works for your life, not just your work. Yeah, and that's the key for me. We, I have now got exactly what I wanted, which is, you know, for me, 
a lot of people get really enthusiastic about the web, right? Oh, it's my passion and all the rest of it. And yeah, I really do enjoy my job. I love what I do. But for me, work should facilitate my life. It isn't, it's not my life in itself. It should facilitate the life I want to lead. Um, And that's what it does now. And that's why I love it. How have you gone about finding the clients that, you know, now that it is funding you and your family's lifestyle? Has it simply been able to carry on because of all the essentially content marketing you've built up over years? Yes, that is a big part of it. I'm also quite um, clever in the way that I market, right? So I have my kind of general reputation building, which is Boag World is the speaking, the writing, that kind of stuff. But I also, in addition to that, I have very, very targeted marketing where I target specific sectors. So, for example, I have invested years in building up a very strong reputation in the charity and higher education sectors. So I'm very well known within those sectors now, um, which means that a lot of work kind of walks through the door. I also, I have to say, I'm not afraid just to kind of approach people and, you know, kind of build relationships with them. And that inevitably turns into work before too long. Um, So I do spend a lot of my time. I mean, you know, my charge out rate is based on me charging out only 50% of my time because I know that I will spend another 50%, you know, bringing in work. And that's because I'm fussy about what I want to do. Um, you know, I, I want to be able to pick and choose what work I do. And also I'm a bit of a worrier when it comes to money. So I like to be booked up well in advance. So I do invest a lot of time in my sales and marketing efforts. When you say you approach people, is that physically approaching them at a conference or might you cold call or email or how, how would you do, do that? Yeah, I mean, it kind of varies. Uh, uh, you know, uh, speaking at conferences is great because you're you're inevitably speaking alongside other clever, intelligent people that work for cool organizations. So that's a great place to kind of meet people and get chatting. Um, I, other things I do is I certainly get chatting with people on Twitter quite a lot. I will sometimes email people out of the blue, not very often. Um, another little thing that I tend to do sometimes is I will write about a, a mention a particular person or a particular company and use that as an in, if that makes sense, oh, to, yeah, yeah. to yeah. kind of get to talk to them. Um, so there are kind of different, you know, there are a variety of different ways of doing it, basically. So your Boag World content uh, machine how do you go about structuring that? How do you stay disciplined about that? Because you've got to be consistent with it. Mm. And you've been doing that for years. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I plan very carefully. Um, I'm a getting things done fan. If you're not aware of getting things done, it's a book by a guy called David Allen, which is a, a particular kind of working methodology. Um, so I kind of use that. I also, I, I'm very careful not to overcommit. I don't turn away work, but I will tell them when I can do it and they can take it or leave it. So I make sure that I don't take on more work than I can, I can handle um, in a particular month um, in all, and so that I've still got enough time to do all the, the marketing stuff that I need to do. So, as I said, I've kind of calculated um, 
my charge out rate that I don't need to be working the whole month in order to break even. Um, and once I kind of hit my target of how much I need to earn for me to feed the family and all the rest of it, um, then at that point, I will not take on any more work that month. Right. Okay. So you've, you've created your own ceiling that you're happy with. Yeah. So that you can concentrate on creating, creating the content. Yeah, and, and sitting in a hammock in the garden on a gorgeous day. <laughs> Quite right, too. Well, because it's a lifestyle business. Yeah. So the decision I made, basically, the, the logic goes something like this, right? I need a certain amount of money to live, okay? There is a certain ceiling I need to, 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 to reach. Um, but what I really want from life is time. Time is my most valuable co- uh, commodity, right? So once I've reached my requirements in terms of money, then I'm not going to do any more work because I want that to be time instead. Does that make sense? Yeah, nice. But it's great that you stick to it as well because it can be very tempting that you you don't know what's around the corner so you just keep taking the work away. Yeah, absolutely. And to be honest, it's been a little bit different. You know, over the, the, the first few months when I set up, you know, I couldn't just bring in enough it's, you can't just bring in enough for what you currently need to feed your family. You also have to bring in enough to create a cushion, right? So the first few months of me working, you know, I've been focusing on creating a cushion. So, you know, I've got now a little pot of money behind me that if I have one or two slow months, that's fine. That's not a problem. So so that's why how I get around the feeling of, oh, crap. You know, I'm turning away work, and what if nothing comes in next month? Well, it's okay because I've got a cushion. When it comes to that consultants, uh, consultancy side of what you do, mm-hmm. like, do, do you normally work, like you said, for a month for one particular client, or might you have a few different projects on the go at the same time? Um, because I, I, I know some people who effectively can consult for different people at the same time, and it's they've got emails coming in from all of these different clients, all who, despite the fact that they've said, I'll only do two days for you this week, almost expect them always to be available mm-hmm. to to them. Um, just wondering how you cope with that, or maybe you've just not put yourself in that situation. No, I, I have put that myself in that situation. Um, very much so, actually. I, I've got, to say I just do consulting is a little bit misleading. Um, one of the things that I did when I, when I first started is I really wanted to, there are certain risks in running a business, right? One of those risks is you become reliant on certain revenue streams, all right? So either you only have one or two clients or, um, you know, and then one of them, you know, doesn't pay on time. And so your cash flows all, you know, sent to shop, you know, and you're, you're stuffed basically. But also if you're just doing one type of work, you might find that that work dries up for whatever reason. So you kind of need a variety of different stuff. So, um, yeah, I do consultancy, I do training, I do speaking, um, I do video courses. Um, I write for third party websites and I also do mentorship, Now, the mentorship thing is, you know, let's say you, for example, let's say you needed some help with your business, right? You would buy a time bank of hours from me. Then I'm available just like a work colleague. Anytime you want, you can drop me an email. You can, you pick up the phone to me. You can Skype me. You can ask me to review a document. You can get my help building your business, your marketing strategy, whatever else, all right? 
So as a result, yeah, I get loads of email and I get loads of contact requirements and that kind of stuff. But again, because of the way that I've structured my business, that actually I only need to be doing chargeable work 50% of the time, I've got the flexibility to deal with that kind of stuff. And it's not it's not a massive issue. And because you're on a time bank, you can send me additional emails and that's fine. It just comes out of your time bank and I'm paid for it. So so it's not, you know, it's not that there's a kind of a fixed price and then people are taking the mickey with that fixed price. What do you find when people come to you for that mentor side of things? Is there a particular thing that people struggle with? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it varies hugely from company to company, but um, the, the kind of two biggest areas really are sales and marketing. You know, how do I get bigger, better clients? How do I get more, you know, consistent revenue stream? Um, and then the other area is, is, is kind of almost productivity type stuff of, you know, how do I work less, stop working weekends, you know, that kind of thing. So it, those are the two main areas. Sorry, I've got the hiccups, which is really annoying. It's always good. Um, yeah, I've only just managing to get to the point where I, I'm just not really working at weekends now. And, yeah. But it does actually then have a knock-on effect to, to making you feel a lot better in the week. Absolutely. I, I'm a great believer because I, I, I'm quite public about the fact that, that, you know, I've suffered quite badly from depression in the past. Um, and, you know, I've... I've gone, I totally burnt myself out, all right, you know, really, really badly in the past. So I just made a decision that, look, this is not worth it. You know, I'm not going to live like this anymore. I'm not going to work weekends. I'm not going to work evenings. And let's see what happens. And the truth is, you just work smarter. And you get just as much done. I swear it. I get just as much done. By working when I am in a fit state to work, because that's the trouble. If you work weekends, if you work evenings, you 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 never get a chance to to replenish your energy, um, and so you're always drained. Which means you're always working slower. You'll make mistakes. You'll not do things in the most efficient way possible. And also that downtime, you know, when you weekends and evenings, it isn't really downtime. Your subconscious is working on all of this stuff, all the problems and challenges you have. And so when you come back to work, you you do so, you know, with a lot more kind of gumption and a lot more kind of passion and with answers. Nice. I like that a lot. Just going back to the consultant side of things, Mm -hmm. do you have insurance in place for that sort of stuff? I do, and I, I I deeply despise paying insurance. Um, but you know, you kind of have to, don't you, really? Um, so I've got now. I always I'm rubbish at all of this kind of stuff. But I have professional indemnity insurance and public liability insurance. Um, now I always get them confused. One is if I give them bad advice. Um, then I'm, you know, and they sue me because I've given them bad advice, then I've got insurance to cover that. The other one is if I burn down their building when I'm on site, (laughs) Um, which, to be honest, seems a bit of a waste of time insurance-wise, but I kind of have it because a lot of clients demand it. But I tell you, that gets a a lot more complicated when you work with an American client. Bloody hell, that's expensive. Why? In what way? Well, because they've got a litigation culture. So your insurance like triples. 
Oh, I see. So when you're when you're taking out that profession, professional indemnity is the one for the consultancy side, isn't it? So when you're taking that out, they're asking you, do you work with Americans? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Ouch. Exactly. Um, you've not had to claim yet. No. no, 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 not not as a freelancer. We got close to it as Headscape once. Um, so we had one client that that got RC with us. Um, totally unjustified, I hasten to say. Um, but they got arsy with us and were threatening to sue us. And actually, the the insurance because I, I I I insurance companies annoy me. I think it's all a big con. But in in that particular case, they really paid their dues. They wanted to obviously avoid a claim, and so they gave us loads of really good advice about how to handle that client. Oh. And and they went away. So actually, it was worthwhile. Totally. Yeah. Interesting. So um, you said that you, you like to write down the things that you've learned. Mm-hmm. What would you say are some of the, the big things that you may have learned over be it this, this time of being freelance or in this time of creating your online brand, your personal brand? Flip it out. Um, I know, just a small one. What have I learned? Let's let's. Well, uh, well, maybe, I, maybe you've tried things out and they've just not worked, or you've, you've no. Everything you've, I do is hugely successful. <laughs> or you've <laughs> added you've added something to your site and then you've realised, oh my god, I've just got so much work from that. Or, I mean, the speaking must have made a big difference. Yeah, uh, there is something when it comes to consultancy. Well, to be honest, any any professional service, there are two things that will. Uh, you, ultimately you're selling off of reputation right you're you know there are lots of other people that have got the skills and knowledge that i have but do other people know that one and two do they like me right those are the kind of two criteria do i want to work with this person and you know do they actually have the skills i want nothing screams you've got the skills that i want like i've written a book or i've been put on a stage because in those two scenarios, somebody else has been the gatekeeper. Someone else has assessed my capabilities. A publisher has assessed my capabilities as to whether I can write a book. A conference organizer has assessed my capabilities as to whether I can give a talk. So they've kind of already judged that I'm an expert in my area. So it kind of writing a book, speaking at conferences, it's, you know, it helps incredibly to establish you as an expert. In terms of likability, that's where the podcast really helps. You can communicate something of who you are. Speaking is the same, does the same. And kind of you you build a kind of connection with people um, and get to know people or they get to know you, I think is probably a better way of saying it. And that that means that they're much more likely to buy from you. And if you look at at my blog and the way I write um, is very much the way I talk, most of my blog posts these days have me also either a video of me talking through the post or alternatively um, audio of me doing it because it helps make a connection with the listener or, or, or reader. So it's all about creating credibility and creating relationships. How often do you post, uh, would you say? Is, do you say, oh, I'm going to do it every Tuesday um, or yeah. Thursday? Or the podcast goes out every Thursday. Um, but we have, we do it in seasons. So a season is normally about between 13 and 15 episodes. Um, and then we'll have a break for a bit 
to kind of recharge our juices and decide what we're going to do next because each season is slightly different just to keep things a bit fresher. So that goes out every Thursday. Um, and then every Tuesday I put out blog posts and that is absolutely set in stone. I don't care what else I've got going on. If I have to do an evening to get a blog post out, it will be out. It will never get missed. Do you create some stuff way in advance and sort of bank it or? That would be wonderful, wouldn't it? (laughs) I really ought to do that. No. No, What if you're not feeling creative on that Monday night or that deadline forces you? Well, the deadline forces you. I mean, I've got, no, I bank it in the sense that I have, because uh, you get ideas for blog posts all the time. Um, so I've got, uh, I use Evernote a lot. So I've got a big list of blog post ideas in there and I just pick one and write it. Now, we always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself, two yeah. true, one a lie, and I'm going to try and figure out the lie. Okay, here's number one. In one company, I had three bosses. One went to prison, one died of stress, and another hid cheese under the ceiling tiles when he was fired. Okay, so that's number one. Ready for number two? Yep. I once hosted a site on a server in my house. It got promoted to the homepage of dig.com, which dates me, and was so popular that the server overheated and caught fire. Okay. And number three... One of my followers, I think there's a fire theme here. One of my followers once called the fire brigade to rescue me because they misunderstood one of my tweets. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm sorry to say only one of those is a lie. Oh, jeez. So what did you tweet? So what happened was, is that I was going to a family party down in, in Somerset and I really didn't want to go. Right? I was really grumpy about it. And I'd been grumping all morning on Twitter. Oh, I don't want to go. Oh, oh, this is a nightmare. And then we started to drive down there and it was peeing it down with rain and it was miserable. And then we, a car had crashed and so we got delayed and I was tweeting about that and I was really frustrated. And then there were floods and we got diverted and I was tweeting about that. And, got, and I got there, right? And I tweeted, oh, for the love of all that is good, get me out of here, right? Or something along those lines. But the GPS had misplaced me in the middle of a field somewhere, right? Add to that, and unbeknownst to me, there had been the biggest flooding in Somerset for decades. And so the person on Twitter put two and two together and thought that I'd been caught in a field somewhere in a flood. (laughs) So called the fire brigade. I then got a phone call later in the day, right, from the fire brigade, absolutely irate, at me for posting fake <laughs> disasters and it cost me 50 quid to the firefighters benevolent fund and oh, really? he, yeah i felt obliged to um and here is the real twist right now this it, this may tip you over as to whether i'm just making this all up or not we were currently building the website for the firefighters benevolent fund at the time <laughs> <laughs> Right, and so your server caught fire in the loft? No, no, it wasn't in the loft. It was in my office. So, so that... <laughs> it was so stupid of me. It was the early day. You know, dig.com was ages ago, wasn't it? And I, and I was too tight to buy server hosting for some pissy little site. It wasn't Boag World. It was some other little thing I was doing. And um, so I set this server, <laughs> set this server up. 
and I, it was some it was it was kind of my like my development server you know how you have a development server and I was trying out different things and you know experimenting it was when I was still kind of actually coding and stuff like that and it was a, a little kind of um CSS JavaScript experimentation thing I did and um so I shoved it up on this this development server and I, I was the one that posted it to dig.com <laughs> right I don't know why I did. I mean, I didn't think for a minute anybody would actually look at it. And it got to the homepage of Dig, <laughs> and they were belting the server. And I, I was sitting in my office working away, and I was thinking it's getting a bit hot in here. And the fan was going like mad on the server, and I thought, why is that going like that? And at that point, I should have turned it off, <laughs> right? Because it was just a development server, and then. And then it started, to say it caught fire might be a bit of exaggerated. It started smoking. Um, and, and that was when I worked out what was going on. But it, it blackened the wall behind it. And how did you, how did the cheese get found? Was there just a gradual smell for the office? Or yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. It was the, 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 this. <laughs> he was a public school boy, right? This guy he was publicly educated. And he was a complete and utter tosser, to be frank. Am I allowed to say that on your podcast? I'm sorry. You'll have to beat me out if that's not acceptable. I, I hated the guy with a passion. He was an old school bully. And eventually, he was grossly incompetent as well. He didn't understand the web at all. And he eventually got kind of pushed out of the company. But on his last day, he kind of, he left. And then the new guy moved in. And it must have been a couple of weeks went by of of this new guy and every time you went into his office there was this smell <laughs> and I thought it was him and I think he became accustomed to it I don't think he realised <laughs> because it kind of gradually built up and eventually it got so bad that kind of everybody noticed and we said well, why is that and after a lot of searching we found this big kind of fat French cheese covered in mould sitting in the ceiling tiles Amazing! All of those stories were told with such a plomb that I've, I'm, I'm. It's beyond me. Normally, people crack under cross interrogation. I'm a, I, it's, it's a sad fact that I'm a good liar. Okay, I don't think, I don't think you were rescued by the fire brigade type one. Uh, you're wrong. I'm- ah! I wasn't actually rescued. Well, no, no, but but, but, they, yeah. they were, but one of my uh, followers did yeah, call yeah. the fire brigade. <laughs> that well, absolutely happened. So which was the lie? Well, you tell me. You got two. You got fifty oh, percent chance now. In that case, your server never caught fire. Yeah, you're right. Which means the cheese is true. Which I'm glad about. That's a great story. Oh, that's just unbelievable. <laughs> if you could tell your younger self something about being freelance, what would it be? I think I'd have to go with. Build a lifestyle. Build a lifestyle business. It took me too long to realise that. That, you know, that I spent years working my arse off thinking that's what I had to do. You know, and, and to begin with, I wanted to do that. You know, I was enthusiastic and I was young and I worked every hour that, that was available to me because I loved the web and it was an exciting time. But you can't maintain that over the long term and you can't build a business that's reliant on you doing that because it will kill you. You're not a machine. Um, So I think that's the advice I'd give. 
sound advice too. We'll put links to everything we've been talking about on beingfreelance.com. Do take a look and check out Paul's podcast as well. Where you're coming, uh, where, where are you uh, sort of halfway through a series at the moment? Or yeah, about to that. The end? No, about yeah, yeah. halfway through. Well, why don't you t- tell us what the theme is? Because you said what the theme is. Yeah, the, the, the theme of this series is really, it's, it's very much in line with this podcast. It's about setting up your own web design business. So we're we're looking at exciting topics like accountancy and 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 those kinds of things. You know, the kinds of things that get you up in the morning. Yeah, no, it's great. It's um, and would you say that whether you because obviously it's it's a web show, but would you say that if people weren't necessarily doing a web business, they'd still find uh, stuff in there of of use in that particular season? Yeah, that's a really good question, actually. Uh, let's have a look. Let's have a look at what we're, we're covering. So, starting your business, deciding on whether to have a partner, establishing your offering, finance, marketing, dealing with failure. Developing sales leads, writing proposals, winning pitches, repeat business, growing your business, getting design approval. That's a bit specific. Staying strategic, finding a work-life balance. So most of those would yeah. apply to anybody, really. Nice. In that case, definitely check that um, that series out first. And then you've got 10 years worth to work your way through. <laughs> <laughs> if for some reason the current season is not enough to put you off, <laughs> seriously, go back to number one. Because it is awful. The very first one we have, uh, it, it's like uh, you want to put needles through your eyes. Paul, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Uh, do check out beingfreelance.com. And uh, yeah, all the best being freelance. Absolute pleasure. If you've only just discovered being freelance, then you may have missed. It's a huge difference between consultancy and freelance. I think a good consultant should never get hired twice because you should have fixed everything. It means that I've constantly got to find new business. One of the most liberating things I've done in the last few months is to actually say, I want to work with these sorts of people. I don't need to just take anyone as a client. If you can target a sector, you can then hone your website and your marketing to those people. And that's made a real difference to me. It starts to grow when you actually divide your time up and outsource it to other people so you can be carrying on doing the things that you're good at. Find loads of great interviews at beingfreelance.com and, of course, subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher. Please share it with other freelancers or those thinking of going that way. And thanks so much for listening. Really appreciate it. Have a great week being freelance.